0: Hello and welcome to New Books in Eastern European Studies, part of the New Books Network of Podcasts. I'm Morel Badenson and I'm the host of this channel. With us today is professor Alexander Prasin of New Mexico Tech, who studies the history of World War II in Eastern, Central Europe and the Balkans. In his recently published book, he delineates the Nazi occupation of Yugoslavia during World War II. He starts from the medium-term background, reaching back to the unification of Yugoslavia, and covers both the chronological process of the occupation to the liberation, and its wide thematic breadth with issues ranging from uh, Jews and non-Jews in the camps, collaborationism, to resistance and different strands of resistance in Yugoslavia. And this makes the book important not only for historians of Yugoslavia, South uh, Eastern Europe or the Balkans, but also to historians of World War II and the Holocaust more generally. First of all, it's very nice to have you here with us today, Professor Prasin. The first question I would have for you is, why do you choose to study Serbia under the Nazi rule?
1: Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me here. Um, I was um, uh, focusing on Yugoslavia in wartime because uh, um, the war in Yugoslavia was unique in many ways, Uh, not only... Uh, there was a, a war going on, kind of a conventional war against uh, uh, the oppressors or uh, the Nazis but, and the Italians, but also there was a, a sort of a multi-facet war, civil war, going on uh, sometimes between two, three or four opponents. So it was, uh, in this case, Yugoslavia uh, was a rather a unique case uh, among the histories. Uh, who suffered German occupation during World War II. And uh, Serbia, surprisingly, uh, has received least attention uh, from the Western uh, scholarship, uh, most likely because the resistance movement, which started uh, in uh, the summer 1941, uh, then petered out, so to speak, by the uh, winter of 1941-42, because the uh, gravity of that uh, resistance uh, warfare moved elsewhere in Yugoslavia to Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, and so on, and Serbia kind of a, uh, from 1940, late 1941 on was left out by the Western scholarship. So it was my uh, my first uh, interest, which uh, brought me to that topic. And the other one was that um, uh, I don't remember the exact dates. It is within the last probably seven or eight years. Uh, that uh, uh, the Serbian government decided to rehabilitate uh, some of the individuals who actively participated uh, in the Nazi occupation structure. I'm talking about native collaborators. Uh, This is not, again, something unique for Serbia. It's going on all over Eastern Europe. And I was uh, determined to seek the truth, so to speak, whether... Uh, These individuals indeed perhaps were vilified under communist rule and uh, uh, needed indeed some sort of a a uh, um, a post-mortem rehabilitation. So those were two main reasons which uh, brought me to study uh, research first and then uh, write on Serbia. Uh, in addition, uh, this is kind of a, a less important note, but Serbia has had a long history, traditional resistance to foreign rule, and I wanted to see the dynamics of that resistance, whether it was comparable to uh, anything that the Serbia had experienced before, let's say under uh, the, the Austro-Hungarian and Bulgarian occupations uh, in World War One. So those would be my, my primary reasons of uh, concentrating on Serbia.
0: Now you did mention some reasons why the Serbian or the Yugoslav case was different and we do know that in the history of occupied Europe we have uh various models if one can say so of Nazi rule we had uh, the harsh rule uh, in Poland we had more um lenient uh, rule over the Nordic countries and we also know that these um uh, models Of rule were motivated not only by uh, ideological terms like drang nach Osten, Lebensraum, and Neuordnung, but also by some practical matters. What was the Nazi uh, model of ruling Serbia, and uh, how is it motivated by both reality and Nazi ideology?
1: Uh, In general, Nazi plans for Yugoslavia were driven, as you said, by uh, initially by expediency rather than ideology. Uh, they, Hitler was uh, rushing to implement his Barbarossa plan, that is the invasion of the Soviet Union. He didn't need this, what he called, it, the destruction in the Balkans. And if Yugoslavia remained within the uh, orbit of Nazi Germany after signing the uh, uh, the uh, pact uh, with Germany in uh, March 1941, and if it uh, uh, stacked to that to that uh, pact, perhaps uh, German occupation would have been, or rather domination uh, of Yugoslavia, uh, could be similar, or could have been similar to that uh, to the situation in Bulgaria, which retained uh, relatively free hand in uh, dealing with uh, its internal affairs. But uh, it so happened that uh, a few days after the signing that um, uh, a three-partite pact, uh, the uh, Yugoslavian political elite decided to uh, go against it, against the grain, so to speak, and they overthrew the current government in Belgrade, uh, although without any intention whatsoever uh, to antagonize Hitler, but uh, Hitler's reactions were uh, quite harsh. And so from uh, getting from... Uh, this idea of just having Yugoslavia as uh, an economic and administrative unit in his uh, Balkan uh, plans, he decided to punish it. And um, the punishment was swift and harsh. Yugoslavia was defeated, dismembered. And because Hitler uh, thought of the Serbian political elite as behind that plot, uh, officer's plot in Belgrade, he uh, envisioned for Serbia particularly harsh conditions, uh, meaning it was uh, deprived of any sort of vestiges of independence uh, and was placed under military rule. Again, uh, German generals who came to uh, control Serbia, that is the heads of the administration, uh, initially were inclined to treat Serbia simply as uh, an economic and administrative unit, and there were no resistance Probably here we are getting into a field of uh, probabilities. Probably Serbia would not have suffered as much as it would but uh, it so happened that in the summer 1941 there was an outbreak of resistance, communist resistance and Chetnik that is nationalist resistance and from that time on uh, the rule of expediency or rather the concept of expediency turned into uh, ideological concept of eliminating uh, the communist, Uh, movement and uh, since the communists were associated in the Nazi minds, in Nazi mentalities with Jews, uh, it was uh, also uh, expedited the process of mass murder of Serbia's Jews.
0: You mentioned before resistance, now we know that hand uh, in hand with resistance goes collaboration in Europe and we have seen various Models like the uh, Ustasha in Croatia and uh, the uh, infamous Jasenovac camp system, when we saw collaboration uh, by gender, and military units in Romania, uh, we saw obviously in in uh, Galicia and U- in the Ukraine. How did collaboration look like, or what were the relationship, what was the relation between the um, Nazi Authority or Nazi-inspired authorities and the local population in Serbia.
1: Well, uh, Serbia again here uh, played uh, a major role in the Nazi occupation system and the Balkans, because Serbia before the war was the uh, the core area of politi- uh, of Yugoslav politics. After all, the government was in Belgrade. Uh, but after the uh, the war, the April War and uh, the outbreak of resistance uh, uh, there were some changes within the <coughs> within the, as I said, the uh, views Nazi views in regards to Serbia so speaking of the uh, local administration naturally in any country that the uh, German ar- army had conquered they established some sort of a native administration that was a, uh, a rule of expediency the Germans did not have enough manpower and uh, it was Uh, expedient certainly uh, for them to seek uh, individuals and groups who would be willing to collaborate so um, in Serbia they were uh, if you will uh, um, found themselves in a sort of ideological conundrum because individuals who uh, would be the most suitable candidates those who uh, shared with the Nazis their ideological views were very few and far between uh, the Serbian fascist or quasi-fascist, if you will, the so-called Zbor movement was very small, uh, very marginal um, uh, before the war, and it had no popular or very small popular support. So the, the Germans uh, probably uh, could have chosen somebody like uh, Zbor's uh, leader, Dimitrija, uh Ljodic, but as I said, he was... a uh, uh, he realized himself that he did, had no popular backing. So, and, and therefore, the Nazis decided to back uh, uh, back those uh, uh, circles, which could be in our modern language, probably classified as, as centrist-rightist, uh, with the centrist-rightist affiliations, individuals who had some Uh, who held some positions in the pre-war Yugoslav government, certainly no uh, lovers of communists, uh, there were individuals known for anti-communist proclivities, but they had, as I said, the Nazis had uh, in Serbia not too many choices. And so the first government which uh, they created uh, immediately after the April war, the so-called Council of Commissars, was kind of a mishmash of individuals with clear pro-Nazi proclivities, as well as those who were rather disinclined uh, to uh, share Nazi views, uh, individuals, as I said, of uh, center-rightist political affiliations. But that government uh, existed, or administration rather, existed until August, when the Germans decided to replace it with a a much more, uh, not necessarily loyal, because the commissars were loyal enough, but perhaps more effective sort of administration, and they chose uh, a Serbian general, a veteran of several uh, of the Balkan Wars, and uh, a veteran of World War I, uh, General Milan Nedic, who was uh, clearly of anti-communist disposition, although it is questionable whether he uh, felt any affinity, at least in the beginning, to uh, Nazi political views. So these individuals, sometimes they uh, willingly accepted the positions within the collaborationist Administration. Sometimes they were chosen, uh, pressed perhaps. Uh, Milan Niedic's, uh apologist after the war argued that he was pressed into that uh, position as the head of the uh, local administration. Uh, Or uh, some of them, and I include Milan Nedic here too, I thought that uh, it it was the best choice for the Serbian people to save them from more uh, terror and more oppression. And when I say terror and oppression, in their view, it was uh, less German terror, but perhaps more uh, the communist revolution. And so the local administration uh, then called upon back to service Serbian functionaries, uh, civil servants, policemen, uh, gendarmes, and they build up uh, a relatively substantial uh, collaborationist apparatus, which did uh, uh, the biddings of the German masters. And here the collaboration, as you know, the issue of collaboration is always controversial because there are many questions whether uh, these individuals, as I mentioned before, uh, acted under duress, uh, some of them uh, now, especially nowadays in Serbia, uh, Milan Nedic is some circles in Serbia. I'm not saying that the, the official go- the government of Serbia, but at least some very uh, vocal groups in Serbia claim that Milan Nedic uh, uh, was a savior of Serbia from more bloodshed. And therefore, uh, there is even a book uh, issued, uh, published relatively recently, which includes Milan Nedic into 100 of the most famous uh, Serbs in history. So here is, as I said, collaboration is always kind of a a double-edged sword in terms of uh, uh, the causes of collaboration, the dynamics of collaborations, and, of course, the participation of local uh, collaborationists in the Nazi terror system, which they did uh, eventually in Serbia and uh, took uh, rather an active part.
0: When you study East Central Europe, uh, the discourse of on and the, let's say that the scholarly attention to the phenomenon of collaboration is much more pronounced, uh, at least in my feeling, than in the historiography about the Holocaust and World War II in general in Serbia. Do you find any difference in either collaboration or in speaking about collaboration between uh, the Balkans and East Central Europe, Ukraine um, all Ukraine, Poland, etc
1: Well, in my opinion um, and I expressed it, I hope I expressed it clearly uh, in uh, my book on Serbia uh, if we're talking about collaboration in general, uh, we cannot avoid but talk, talk about Uh, participation in the Holocaust, because collaboration in in any country in Europe, it was uh, a key element of collaboration, uh, was the persecution of Jews, or treatment of Jews. So, in Central Europe, the situation, in that regard, the situation was different because a long, very long traditions uh, of uh, living side by side, that is, Jews and their neighbors, Poles, Ukrainians, and Russians, on one hand, and long traditions, very long traditions of anti-Semitism. And uh, all of that, you know, those two uh, aspects conflated during the war, producing, in very many places, uh, rather a murderous environment, and propitious environment for the Holocaust, for the local participation in the Holocaust. Uh, Take the Baltics, for example, uh, or Ukraine. Uh, and parts of Russia, although nowadays in Russia, they're saying, you know, it was uh, on a lesser extent than elsewhere. Uh, in Yugoslavia, in general, and in Serbia, and, uh, in particular, um, these uh, um, issues were much less pronounced. I'm not saying that there was no uh, anti-Semitism, of course, it was but traditionally, uh, because uh, of um, uh, Ottoman rule, because of the Austro-Hungarian presence, uh, these antagonisms, in my opinion, I'm not saying uh, it is as it was, but in my opinion, were much less pronounced. That is, uh, there were some Semites among Serbs, certainly, but if you take uh, the statistics of survival uh, in Serbia, and very few Jews actually survived in Serbia. Not uh, not due to local participation, in contrast to Ukraine, the Baltics, and Poland, where local participation actually contributed to almost the totality of the Holocaust. In Serbia, because of this long traditions of relative, relative, I, I should emphasize uh, a relative. Tranquility between the Serbs and Jews those Jews who had escaped from the ghettos in Serbia and from the hands of the Nazis and uh, mostly they found uh, refuge among uh, Serbs and some of those Serbs of course they were friends uh, before the war but some were totally unknown strangers and this is something that uh, I, I would place Uh, On the level of comparison with Poland and Ukraine, if a Jewish family uh, escaped from, uh, let's say, Kiev uh, to the countryside of the Kiev province, uh, I would uh, doubt its chances uh, of survival. I'm not saying that all Ukrainians were anti-Semites, but as I said, traditions of anti-Semitism and German policies uh, in Ukraine contributed to a very high a level of uh, uh, participation in the Holocaust. In Serbia some Jews who as I, as I said found refuge among uh, Serbs who were not their friends or relatives had a relatively high chance of survival. Uh, in addition there were the Serbian intellectual elite before the war did not display the same uh, sort of anti-Jewish sentiments in comparison to, let's say, their Polish counterpart, uh, uh, Serbian in, some Serbian intellectuals were rather, um, if you will, fond of uh, uh, comparing Serbia's history and Jewish history. Some some uh, Serbian intellectuals pointed out that you know Serbia was a sort of a an Israel, if you will, in, in the Balkans because it had been. Uh, oppressed, uh, conquered and oppressed for such a long time like Jews and nevertheless they survived similarly to Jews. So these, these sentiments, whether they played a major role uh, in uh, uh, in the treatment of Jews during the war by the local population is of course questionable but nevertheless as I said judging by the statistics of those Jews who had escaped from the ghettos uh, and camps and hid among Serbs uh, the survival rate was higher, in uh, proportion-wise, uh, higher than uh, elsewhere in um, Eastern Europe, uh, Hungary, Romania, Poland, uh, and Ukraine. And therefore, it, it is my personal opinion that the chances of survival uh, in Serbia for the Jews were higher than uh, elsewhere.
0: Speaking about Jews, you have dedicated a whole chapter in your book to discuss uh Serbia, as Serbs and Jews, and in Serbia and Yugoslavia in general, World War Two, much much like the Yugoslav Wars of the 90s, are actually a few uh, con- conflicts coalesced together. So, mm-hmm. what what was the role or the relative role, the relative size of uh, the Holocaust within World War Two in the Balkans, perhaps compared compared to regions uh, like Uh, the Soviet Union or um, East Central Europe? Well,
1: uh, we have to start here from the numbers, right? From the uh, pure statistics. Of course, uh, as far as I remember, there were about 80, uh, perhaps 90,000 Jews altogether uh, in the uh, Yugoslav state before the war. So, uh, on one hand, it made uh, the Nazi goal of uh, uh, physical elimination much easier, Uh, On the other hand, the relatively small numbers, uh, again, coming back to the previous question, uh, contributed to uh, a relative tranquility between uh, the Yugoslav people and Jews, because Jews were not as pronounced, uh, for example, in uh, trade or commerce as they were uh, in Poland, where the competition between Jewish and uh, non-Jewish men of business, uh, men of commerce, that competition sometimes got very vicious. That's why, uh, again, contributing in, in, uh, in uh, future years to the uh, local participation in the Holocaust. Um, uh, Jews here in Yugoslavia and in, Ser- in Serbia, uh, for example, were a very small minority. We're talking about be- in Serbia between 12 to 15,000 uh, people in the country of about 3 million people. And uh, they were not as visible in politics uh, as they were, for example uh, in Poland. Uh, and uh, th- this kind of invisible invisibility in, in, in many ways contributed to, um, uh, as I said less pronounced uh, collaboration uh, in the native collaboration in the Holocaust as it was elsewhere uh, in uh, uh, in East Central Europe. The traditional, stigma uh, of Judeo communa uh, or Jewish participation and uh, dominance in the communist movement uh, was also less applicable uh, in Yugoslavia because there were Jews uh, within the communist party but uh, again not in the same proportions that uh, they were let's say in uh, Poland uh, or uh, at least in the eyes of those who uh, were negatively disposed towards uh, towards Jews uh, naturally the uh, after the collapse of Yugoslavia the uh, collaborationist government uh, in Croatia made a big uh, deal of it uh, and the Serbian administration uh, the collaborationist administration in Serbia uh, also made focus or emphasis on the Jewish uh, alleged uh, control of the communist movement, but in reality again for perhaps for an average Serbian uh, That was not necessarily uh, the case uh, Again as a, one factor at least in uh, Mitigating somewhat anti-Jewish sentiments. I don't want to say uh, that uh, You know that there was no persecution of Jews by the local administration of course there was and uh, gendarmerie in Serbia participated in rounding up, uh, registering uh, and rounding up Jews and escorting them to the ghettos. There was a special uh, unit created by uh, the Serbian Collaborationist Administration called the Special Police uh, which uh, uh, whose primary task was to combat uh, the communist resistance but uh, in their views Jews and communists were the same so they actively participated uh, in uh, hunting down Jews. And of course, there were some locals who benefited from denouncing Jews to either to the Germans or to the native police. But as I said, by and large, if uh, you know under closer scrutiny, you will find very uh, astonishing, some at least, very astonishing cases when uh, Serbian politicians known uh, for having no love for Jews before the war uh, actually uh, tried to save them. We have some policemen participating in the efforts to, um, to save Jews, as well as the Chetniks. Uh, the Chetnik case is particularly uh, least studied. For that matter, I, I uh, found very difficult to um, find any documentation in regards to the Chetnik treatment uh, of the Jews. And nevertheless, we do know some uh, of some cases where Jews who escaped from, uh, from the Germans lived in the areas controlled by the Chetniks, and most likely that the villagers, as well as the local Chetnik commanders, knew of them, and nevertheless they survived the war. So this is a very, uh, as anywhere, it is a very kind of a Jewish, uh, non-Jewish relationship, is a very complicated issue, which uh, which uh, still has many holes and many gaps, which uh, in the future, I hope, uh, could be somehow filled.
0: When we speak about resistance, we see that many of the uh, things you said about, for example, collaboration are things that um, began before the Nazi invasion and were some sort of internal uh, processes within uh, the first Yugoslavia and were only exacerbated by the Nazi uh, invasion. For example, you mentioned quite a lot of time the equation of Jews and communists and in general the uh, debate, less intellectual than you might expect, but also in intellectual circles about whether communism is really uh, the path we should be heading. And mm. I would like to ask you um, not only about resistance, movement, uh, resistance movements in general, but also their ideological stances, because after all, uh, the royal couple of the second Yugoslavia Josip Broz Tito and Jovanka both were from the Partisans And Mm -hmm. uh, in Tito's case, he emerged as a winner from the resistance But began his political activity and communist activity much before that So what are the ideological origins or ideological stances That motivated the different um, strands of resistance in Serbia and Yugoslavia?
1: Well, uh, you mentioned the Communist Party and uh, Josef Tito. of course uh, he is uh, he was uh, the key figure uh, in the resistance movement during the war. Uh, Yugoslav uh, Communist Party was a very small group, uh, similarly to some other Communist parties which uh, uh, sprang up uh, in the wake of the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, I think It was no more than, like, 8,000 or 10,000 people in the 1920s. Uh, Their ideological framework was uh, identical to uh, their uh, predecessors. I'm talking about the Russian Bolsheviks. Uh, But in regards to the Jewish question, um, why communism was so attractive to Jews? Because uh, no other political movement or no other political ideology... Uh, And I'm talking here, uh, uh, no ideology outside of uh, socialism and communism offered them uh, civil and political equalities. No other ideology emphasized that there would be no difference uh, between uh, people of different religions, people of different languages, uh, backgrounds. Uh, ethnicities and so on in the in the state which the communists uh, aimed to build. So it was quite natural that for an oppressed minority here, I am referring to the Jewish minorities uh, everywhere, not only in uh, Yugoslavia, not only in Eastern Europe, but everywhere uh, in Europe uh, in general, in France or in Italy, uh, where the communist parties were quite uh, substantial. So, uh, in my opinion, it was quite uh, obvious for the Jews if they wanted to uh, uh, survive if you will to join a resistance movement which uh, uh, started in uh, 1941 uh, there was only a way to join the partisans because there were not only there were uh, Jews within the leadership of the partisan movement but there were many survivors who escaped from the ghettos and the uh, and the camps and they were treated uh relatively well, uh, that is relatively uh, depending upon uh, local conditions but uh, I uh, do not recall any case uh, any case where, for example uh, the partisans would uh, kill uh, a Jewish SKP, uh, which by the way was quite uh, frequent uh, let's say in Poland or Ukraine where the anti-German partisans, not necessarily of communists Affiliation would kill uh, Jewish families who were hiding uh, from the Nazis. So here, as I said, the ideological framework of the communist movement was, uh, for the Jews, was uh, quite clear and uh, quite attractive. That is why so many of them uh, joined the communist movement. Uh, in regards to the uh, civil war uh, in Yugoslavia and in Serbia uh, during the uh, during the Nazi occupation, indeed, as you mentioned, uh, the the um, foundation for that, uh, the roots of the civil war, uh, were quite visible in the interwar period because the communists very clearly uh, identified their political goals: the destruction of the old Yugoslav, the bourgeois Yugoslav state. So that that. Uh, 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 pronounced, very pronounced, if you will. Uh, uh, objective, made very many Yugoslavs uh, quite uncomfortable uh, of the communists, and therefore uh, the Chetnik movement, uh, for one, uh, initially cooperated with uh, with the partisans. But then, when uh, when they realized that uh, their goals were totally opposite, we have yet another series of a conflict, internal conflict, that is, the Chetniks and the partisans turning uh, upon uh, each other. So uh, Jews participating in the communist movement on one hand before the war and joining the resistance movement because it offered them the only chance to survival uh, for me it was as I said uh, quite uh, quite a uh, clear if you will uh, and uh, the only choice.
0: In today's Serbia we have um, multiple minorities who claim uh, to have undergone a Holocaust. Today, we don't have a vocal Jewish minority, but we can speak about uh, the Romas, for example, um, with representatives such as Raiko Djuric, um who is a leading Serbian-Romanian writer and academic who wrote a poem not so long ago called I am Yad Vashem. I am Yad Vashem in um, alluding, of course, to the famous uh, museum and uh, research center in Israel. Do you think that when we speak about Holocaust in Serbia, uh, do you think that we speak enough about the people in these camps, whether uh, Ustasha, Ustasha camps or Nazi camps, uh, that, that are not Jews? Do we
1: speak enough of them? That's, that was your question?
0: Do we speak in other, or, let's say, uh, what was their place in uh, this uh, concentration-extermination process? Well, um,
1: with the exception of uh, Saimiste, which was perhaps the most infamous camp in in Serbia, uh, there were smaller camps, naturally, uh, in, in Serbia, where Jews very often shared uh, tragic fate with uh, non-Jews. For example, there were camps where they were uh, kept together before executions with uh, uh, Serbian communists uh, or individuals who were suspected of uh, some sort of anti-Nazi activities. Uh, Some Chetniks, for example, were incarcerated uh, with them. alongside Jews, communists, and the Roma, but also thousands of just average Serbs who were caught uh, in those uh, roundups and German reprisals shared the fate of uh, Jews because when uh, uh, in uh, the late summer, early fall 1941, the Germans instituted a reprisal, harsh reprisal policy, uh, by which uh, for every killed German soldier there were 50 to 100 uh, civilians killed and although the Jews were first to die uh, uh, very soon the Germans ran out so to speak of the Jewish quarter and they turned to uh, Serbian civilians and uh, here they made no distinctions uh, whatsoever in regards to uh, who, this, uh, who these individuals were uh, for example in Kragujevac uh, they were shooting individuals who even uh, were uh, kind of a positively um, inclined towards the collaborationist administration. There were some individuals, even who who worked for the uh, local administration, but uh, for the Nazis it, uh, it made no difference whatsoever. So here we are talking um, an issue which has been uh, a topic of discussion, I think, for at least two decades. That is, uh, you know what part of the Holocaust, uh, what part of the Holocaust, place in the general history of uh, a given country, country, uh, any country in Europe, and uh, to what extent can we uh, compare the fate of the Jews and the fate of their non-Jewish uh, co-nationals, that is, to what extent the history of Yugoslavia is a history of um, uh, Jewish suffering, or vice versa, to what extent Jewish suffering is a part of the history of Yugoslavia. This is a very difficult question, and I think that you know it will be uh, some years before we would be able to answer that answer uh, that question uh, in a kind of a more substantial way. But uh, the sympathies, uh, local sympathies that I talked about, uh, local sympathies toward Jews among the average Serbian, some average uh, Serbian. Uh, Co nationals, in part, in my opinion, was generated by by that perception of common tragic fate, uh, and that fate, as I said, which uh, had a long history before the war, the foreign oppression, the expulsions, uh, forced migrations, and so on and so on, and uh, that that sympathy sometimes displayed by Serbian civilians towards Jews. Uh, partially was generated by that, uh, by that perception of common tragic fate, that, uh, you know, first Jews and then us, and indeed the Germans, as I mentioned, showed no inclination to uh, kind of a mitigate reprisals against the Serbs, uh, because uh, by the fall of 1941, many German generals in Serbia, uh, and Hitler himself, considered Serbs uh, to be the most vicious enemy of uh, the Third Reich, in the Balkans, I uh, I want to emphasize Serbs uh, speaking ethnically, uh, in comparison to the Bulgarians, Romanians, or the Croats, uh, who lived uh, by this time under the vicious uh, pro-Nazi government uh, of uh, in the so-called independent Croatia. Um, having said that, I want to make uh, I want to qualify that uh, many Croats, of course, despised the Ustasha, but they just uh, at that time had no no choice. But in more common average, if you will, perception in Serbia, um, it probably was uh, a, a very strong factor that uh, uh, Jewish escapees coming at night, knocking on the door uh, at the Serbian house were perceived simply as uh, individuals who needed Refuge who needed help and uh, not necessarily uh, those Serbs uh, who uh, Turn out to be good Samaritans not necessarily not necessarily they saw them as Jews per se they saw them just as uh, their uh, Serbian co-nationals regardless of their Jewish uh, religion or Jewish roots
0: when we speak about World War two in general, and let's say when we speak about World War II uh, in the Soviet Union, contemporary Russian Federation, we often speak about the role the war played in constructing national identities or uh, the influence of the war on uh, intellectual trends today. And in the Russian case, at least, we see that, uh, for example, uh, children of young age can still find themselves singing the wartime hits or even sometimes post war songs like um Katusha sininiplattocek and other very famous songs how do you what do you feel that is the where do you think that, you, that we can find the traces of the war in Yugoslav and contemporary uh, Serbian identity and reality
1: well um uh, frankly speaking i have not when i was doing my research in serbia i concentrated so much on uh, seeking you know documentation that i had uh, uh, very little time to just to speak uh, with uh, uh, you know serbs of different age and um, uh, affiliations but i talked to my uh, landlord i lived in a very nice place in belgrade and uh, uh, he then introduced me to some of his neighbors. Um, the common perception that I know uh, actually even from living in the Soviet Union, because when I live in the Soviet Union, I met a few people from Yugoslavia uh, then in the 1980s. And so the Serbs quite naturally uh, perceived themselves as the leading force uh, in the resistance movement because they were indeed the uh, leading initially. Uh, they were a majority, I'm talking about the ethnic majority, uh, because they were persecuted uh, not only by the Germans, but in Bosnia and Herzegovina, they became uh, very soon under a terror um, attack uh, of the Ustasha. And so the Serbs joined the resistance movements, and here I want to emphasize in plural, uh, both the communists and the Chetniks, because it was the way... Uh, For many, uh, the only way to survive. And uh, quite naturally, after the war was over, the Serbs, many Serbs at least, claimed the primacy in leading the communist movement. And in this regard, they were helped uh, by the official uh, establishment, which did not necessarily emphasize the role of the Serbs, but emphasized the role of the Yugoslavs in general. Presenting uh, the conflict, the war uh, in the Balkans as sort of, a if you will, the third front. And uh, enough to watch the so-called partisan films uh, made in Yugoslavia, which were very popular uh, in the Soviet Union, uh, because it was a totally kind of unknown page uh, for many Soviet people. And if you look at those films, uh, if you watch those films, you will very clearly sense the, the kind of the main idea where the Germans are sending division after division uh, into the Balkans. And uh, these divisions are engulfed in a very hard fighting. And the partisans, no matter what, they survive. So be, long before the Americans and the British opened up uh, the second front, there was a third front. Uh, in the Balkans, and as I said that partisan mythology, if you will uh, uh, has persevered up until this very time Uh, when I was in Belgrade, I was the last time I was there uh, I think it was 2010 Uh, there was kind of a renewed interest in the resistance movement, although uh, the Chetniks now have become kind of also a key element in in that mythology, but very clearly, uh, and especially as you said, on the background of the recent wars in Yugoslavia, that uh, image of the Yugoslav guerrilla, regardless uh, of um, uh, political affiliation, is uh, very popular uh, in Yugoslavia. And uh, I, when I was a kid, I was watching those films with great interest, and uh, <laughs> when I became a mature adult, I watched them with greater interest. Interest uh, uh, still because uh, at that time I could look at those films from uh, kind of uh, many different angles.
0: My last question would be, would still be in the realm of memory, but in a different angle. You're a historian who has studied so far uh, two main uh, arenas of World War II and the Holocaust. Uh, the first one uh, East Central Europe, Ukraine, Poland, the second one, Serbia, and Yugoslavia. As a historian who reads critically through the historiography, in what do you feel that there is the biggest difference between scholarly attention uh, paid to World War II in Yugoslavia and the scholarly attention directed uh, to World War II in East Central Europe?
1: You know that this is a question which um, kind of a, uh, is difficult for me to answer because. I Just uh, a month ago, I was uh, at a conference, Uh, it was not even a conference, it was sort of a a workshop where we presented, uh, where authors presented uh, their books uh, to uh, the academic community as well as the general public, new books. And a a colleague of mine, Professor Gabriel Fender and I, we published a book on the Nazi, I'm sorry, on the war crimes trials of the Nazis in uh, communist Poland. And uh, it has nothing to do with Yugoslavia, but it has uh, something to do with your question in terms of the scholarship and uh, uh, perception uh, of uh, or images of World War II in Yugoslavia uh, and Poland. Um, I've been to many conferences, to a number of conferences on uh, Yugoslavia uh, where I uh, talked about my my Serbian case. I have not faced in those conferences any sort of kind of a resistance or denial uh, to what I said. Some of my colleagues in Serbia, they uh, questioned my conclusions and actually helped me formulate my ideas better, but uh, the the, uh, the presentation of the book on Poland in Warsaw a month ago, uh, when we were talking about our books, uh, our vis-a-vis, that is, uh, our reviewers, and they all were from Poland, uh, In some, at some points, they were very negative about our findings and our conclusions. So here, uh, when we talk about the uh, uh, kind of a post-war atmosphere in Poland and anti-Jewish uh, sentiments and anti-Jewish violence, um, there was a very pronounced, in my opinion, uh, I, I'm afraid of a word resistance, but uh, what would be a better word, reluctance uh, to uh, accept what we said. And uh, as I said, I've been to several conferences on Serbia and Yugoslavia. And uh, sometimes, for example, at Yad I was there twice. Uh, there were individuals from Yugoslavia, from the former Yugoslavia at least, uh, there was a gentleman who was a, an orthodox priest I remember uh, and I never faced that uh, in, uh, in those settings uh, as I said they may have corrected me uh, on some some episodes or names or dates uh, they may have questioned my conclusions but there was no kind of a vehemence uh, in uh, response in regards to my conclusions once as I said in Poland Uh, or in Lviv, or in Kiev, there would be always a group which would uh, come to a point where their reluctance to accept uh, my ideas uh, would be bordering upon uh, total rejection. So here, uh, perhaps I'm uh, kind of leading you astray from your question, but this is, in my opinion, this is the biggest uh, difference between not necessarily Western scholarship, although there were some scholars uh, in those discussions, as I, said, as I said in Warsaw, there were three scholars quite respectable in my opinion, uh, maybe I was lucky in terms of uh, uh, speaking on Yugoslavia, I never uh, I never kind of encountered that uh, and so in my opinion, I feel now as a researcher, as a scholar uh, <laughs> more comfortable speaking to uh, uh, some sort of a Yugoslav academic community than to uh, uh, Polish or Ukrainian.
0: Thank you very much for this very interesting conversation. I have no further questions but the traditional ending question is, is there anything that you feel like uh, we need to know about Serbia's World War II that I forgot to ask?
1: Well, uh <laughs> You, you caught me by surprise. Um, naturally, there were, uh, there are some, some gaps uh, to fill. Uh, I'm sure I, I cannot just uh, none come to uh, comes to mind uh, nowadays. But uh, I mean at this point, but uh, uh, the history of Yugoslavia, in my opinion, is still uh, is still a, an open an open field. It may sound uh, very strange. Uh, given the fact that there are thousands of books written on yugoslavia but uh, uh, in my opinion there are still uh, you know some fields uh, to uh, to pursue uh, for example <laughs> i'm a, a, some a colleague of mine called me uh, a regional historian uh, emphasizing my interest to small regions for example uh, the histories, if we're talking about uh, the period of World War II, the histories of Macedonia, uh, Kosovo, uh, Montenegro, all of them expect actually await uh, their own researchers. Uh, perhaps there is more, uh, more research done on Croatia. Uh, but even Serbia itself, Banat, uh, Vojvodina, those parts of Yugoslavia, as I said, are still, in my opinion, are still... Very much uh, open fields for any researchers willing to do it, because uh, this is not not a very pleasant topic, but a very interesting one, for that matter. Uh, um, when I was again, when I was in Belgrade, I've heard uh, from my from my colleagues, from my Serbian colleagues, uh, that as academic colleagues, that they wish that uh, some Western researchers actually uh, express interest. Uh, to do something like that, given that the archives are open and uh, Yugoslavs uh, are very friendly people, I can assure that, uh, regardless whether they're Serbs, Croats, or or Montenegrins, uh, that is indeed something for some young aspiring scholar uh, to think about.
0: Okay, thank you very much. This was a very interesting conversation about a very interesting, not to say neglected region, in uh, our understanding of World War Two, to- especially in these uh, kind of synthesis textbooks that offer, you know, a broad grasp of the war. So I would like to thank you again for uh, interviewing to our uh, channel, New Books in Eastern European Studies.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: So thank you, and see you in the next episode of new books in Eastern European studies.